Turn with me to Isaiah uh, chapter 45, and we'll start with verse 1. And uh, you don't have to stand. I got a lot of scripture for reading tonight, and I may get to a title for my message tonight in a little bit. But I wanted to start with Isaiah chapter number 45 and starting in verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leavened gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight, and I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that, that, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. I want you to know God knows you by your name tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. For Jacob, my servant, uh, for Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Speaking of Cyrus. And I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. There's only one God, folks. Hallelujah. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun. Amen. And from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Amen. So, or Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22 and 23. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. This isn't a message tonight on oneness, but we do have to stop and pause and say, there is only one Lord. There is one God. There's none beside him. Amen. Paul writing to Philippians uses this scripture and he says that the name of Jesus and we know his name. Amen. His name is Jesus. Every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. Back to Isaiah in verse number 46, in verses 9 and 10, it says, Remember the former things of old. Everybody say, things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times. Everybody say, from ancient times. That means old times. The things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel 
shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Amen? In these portions of scriptures in Isaiah that we've written, that we've read tonight, it demonstrates the power and the oneness of God. Amen? And his ability to direct the uh, actions of kings and princesses, amen, all over the world. In particular, in this portion of scriptures, Cyrus. His authority over the world's most powerful king at that time. God directed him to free the Jews and to rebuild Jerusalem. Amen. In verse number one, it tells us that Cyrus was called by God the anointed one. And that just simply means that he was the Messiah. He was used by God. Amen to deliver his people, and to rebuild Jerusalem. And all through the Old Testament, we find different messiahs that God used, different anointed ones that ultimately would lead up to the main anointed one. Amen? Which is who? Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus Christ, and Christ just simply means Messiah. Amen? That Jesus Christ is the Messiah. But All of this is just a simple fact for us to understand that God has everything in control. Amen? Remember the former things of old. God's not surprised about what's going on in this day, in this world. Amen? He never has been and he never will be. Because we serve a God that's created all things. He knows all things. He's got everything under control. There's nothing that gets by our God. And if I would give this uh, little talk tonight a title, it would be entitled, The Old Normal. In Ephesians chapter 4, we are told there is one body, there's one church, and there's one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope, of your calling. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Let's never forget, hallelujah, some of the old ways, hallelujah, and some of the old scriptures that declare who we are and what we believe, amen. It's the old normal. Colossians tells us, but thanks To the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Aren't you thankful for being delivered from the power of darkness? And he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. For by him, by Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, everybody say all, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, everybody say all things. And by him, all things consist. I looked up that word all, and it means all. 
everything. Amen? It's all-encompassing. Hallelujah. And I'm just showing us here tonight and reminding us here tonight that God has created all things. God has a perfect plan for this world. Things kind of seem a little haywire uh, to us or does to me, but that's the old norm. God's in control. He's one God. We've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and we're going to go to heaven one of these days. This world is not our home. That's the old normal. Amen. As opposed to the, new, the term new normal. Don't you hate that term? And I don't even like saying the word hate, but I hate that term. The new normal. We went out to eat tonight and um, in the restaurant. And, uh, I can't even remember the name of the restaurant. What's the name of that restaurant? Texas Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse. And they don't even give you a, me uh, a, a menu anymore. You got to scan the little square on the little, they got a square there, and you scan that and go through a series of things, and you got to change this and change that. And then you can get the full menu. Well, two things kept me there in that restaurant. One is my wife knows how to do all that stuff. And number two, I already really knew what I was doing. But other than that, I would have had to get up and leave because I don't know how to zap a square and to answer all the questions or whatever they do. I don't even know if I have what, the capability of doing that. But that's one of the silly new normals that we go through. But over the course of my life, and, and most of you here too, we can say that we've seen some new normals in our lives. And if you go back to 9-11, you know, we can't now because after that, no longer allowed to go back to the gate, right, to see your family or loved ones off. Remember when you used to be able to go back there and hang out till the plane took off and you used to watch the plane took off? We can't do that anymore. That's the new normal. And then there was the seatbelts, and uh, that aggravated me for a while and still aggravates me, but I guess it's for a reason. It's all in the name of safety, right? We got to do this in the name of safety. But I remember when I was young that I could ride up in between my dad and mom on the little armrest there right in the middle and just ride up. That was, a, that was great. And then on long tr uh, trips, I could even crawl up into the back window and lay down in the back of the window there. Anybody remember doing all that? Hallelujah. You'd get pulled over now. Your parents would get arrested for child endangerment or something. But those are some of the new normals. Social distancing is a new normal, I guess. And uh, that's, that one's not real bad sometimes, social distancing. <laughs> but who knows what kind of new restrictions that are going to be in place because of all of this? And we see that our freedoms and our liberties are slowly being choked away. Amen. But it amazes me, and I don't know if it does you, but I still scratch my head at how easy it was for them to shut down the world. Does anybody else feel that? Let's see. Okay. We're all in agreement, right? But we still shut down with everybody else, didn't we? We fell into place, and we did our, a good little uh, Christians and did exactly what we were told to do. Amen. But it's all in the name of safety. And I was thinking, as I was thinking about this, it reminded me 
of a book that I read in high school uh, named Obedience to Authority, in which a guy by the name of Milgram or something like that, I forget what his name was, but he wrote this book after he did a series of tests, and it was and I didn't like to read. It was probably the only book I ever read in school because I remember it so good because it was really interesting. But in this study, he took his uh, people off the street and he placed them in a chair. And I think it was a one-way window where they could see the person on the other side that was strapped up to these um, wires. And they would say, uh, tell, tell the person, they said, go ahead and, and give them a little zap. And they would zap them. And it was a progression of the, the um, shocks that they were given to these people that they could see on the other side, they could see how it would affect them. But, of course, it was all fake. It wasn't real. But they were amazed, and what happened was, even at that time, it was kind of controversy, controversial, you know, the study even, you know, said, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. But the, the amazing thing that came out of that, today I think it's considered one of the greatest findings of the century, but the significance of his finding was the surprisingly how easily it was for people to follow the commands of an authoritative person. Amen? And I know we're not talking about zapping people, but we still, we fall under the category of just being very controlled by the authority. Amen? That's the new normal. And if you think about it, it's a scary thing. Amazing, but at the same time, scary, at least in the flesh. Amen. But to the church, it's an exciting thing. To the church, it should make us shout. Because it makes us understand how the scriptures, the old normal scriptures that we've read time and time again are going to come to pass. Revelations chapter 13, verse 15 through 18. And he gave, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark, the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Can you imagine John writing this? And thinking, you know, how's that going to happen? How are they going to mark everybody? You know, they can hide and get by and get by on their own. But it's not hard for us to understand that today, is it? How all this could come to pass. Amen. And I'm assuming that most of this is going to happen after the church is gone. Bishop will tell us about that on Sunday morning. He's the expert. I'm not the expert of these prophecies and of the, the prophetic scriptures in the word of God. But be here Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and Bishop's going to teach you more on that. Amen? <clears throat> but it doesn't take a rocket science, folks, to figure out something's going on. <laughs> Something is up. Amen? 
we need to realize, and I do have ears to hear, in the Bible it talks about a, a gift called tongues and interpretation. Dr. Myers is used mightily in that gift of tongues and interpretation. I think it was two Sundays ago in which she used tongues and inter- interpretation, or God used it, to speak to the church. I wrote the words down, and I, I want to read them. It says, The day is coming. The time is near when I shall appear, and I shall gather together my people. Do you believe in the gifts in the Word of God? Do you believe in tongues and interpretations? The hairs on my arm are standing up right now because I believe it. And when we hear from the Lord, I believe that's not just something, emotion that we're going through, but we heard from the Lord, amen, that day through tongues and interpretation. I shall gather together my people from the north and the south and the east and the west, and so shall they ever be with me. Look up, because your redemption draweth nigh. It won't be long. The skies will open, and I shall appear to gather you from every corner of the earth. Look unto me. Don't be weary. The time is short. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just lift our hands and thank the Lord that he's coming back for his church. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for your promises, oh God, that are yay and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians tells us, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Do you believe that's going to happen? I said, do you believe that's going to happen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. When we see all these things coming to pass, the Bible tells us to look up. For our redemption is drawing nigh, amen. This is not a time for us to be laxed, amen. It's not time for us to draw back. It's a time for us to draw closer to the Lord and say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, Use us in the meantime to reach a lost and dying world. Hallelujah. Verse 18 of that portion of Scripture says, Therefore, comfort one another, comfort one another with these words. Amen. We're supposed to use the promise of His coming for comforting each other. Because we're not supposed to be comfortable with the things that are around us. Amen. That's the old normal. Comfort each other with the word of God and the promises of God. There are some of the phrases that stood out to me in that tongues and interpretation. And one of them was this, the day is coming. 2 Peter 3, verse 3 through 10, it says this, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers, walking about after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise? Of his coming. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning 
of creation. We have scoffers. We hear scoffers. We hear people that are saying they don't believe in God anymore. People that are saying that the Bible is irrelevant. I want you to know, hallelujah, that the word of God is still true. Amen. He's still coming. The day is coming. Amen. Verse 8 says in that same chapter, he says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. If God tarries, that's the only reason that he is, that we can all come to repentance, that we can all make it, hallelujah, to heaven. Verse 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come, hallelujah, it's going to come. I said, it's going to come. And I say sooner rather than later, amen. Come quickly, Lord, we are ready for your coming. Amen. But we've talked about it, and I've been in church for 40-some years, and I've heard uh, talked about all that time, and we talked about coming of the Lord and everything, but God is coming. Hallelujah. He is not slack concerning his promises. The Lord is going to come. Amen. And the question is, are we going to be ready? Are we going to be ready? The other thing that stood out to me in that interpretation was don't be weary amen and I thought you know if it says don't be weary then God expects there to be a weariness in this old flesh amen and I'll tell you what all the junk that's going around will weary you amen it will bring you down mentally it will bring you down physically but the Bible tells us to lift up our highs on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. He's speaking of the heavens and the stars and the skies. In verse 27, he says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, or speaketh, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Sometimes if we're not careful in the heat of the moment and in the and in the uh, world that is declining time and time again, sometimes we can say, Lord, where are you? Where are you in this place? Where are you in, in our midst? Amen. We need you, Lord. But I want you to know that God is there. Hallelujah. He says in verse, chapter, uh, verse 28, he says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he feigneth not? Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. You'll never be able to figure God out. Amen. But we can go to the old normal, the word of God. Hallelujah. And to find out that God has a plan and his plan is going to come to pass. And nothing's going to stop the plan of God. Amen. And we have the opportunity to either get in or to get out. Or as they say, or get run over. Amen. But you're going to do one of the things, hallelujah. You're going to get in or get out. But he says, he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. I want to encourage somebody tonight, if you're feeling a little 
empty, if you will, that there's no searching of the power of God, and he gives power to the faint. Hallelujah. He is giving increased strength to those of us that are feeling a little weak. Verse 30 said, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. Oh, we need to be waiting on the Lord. We need to be in anticipation that God is going to move. Whether he comes back today or not, God is desiring to do a work in each and every one of us. Hallelujah. He wants us to know that he has everything under control uh, and that he is going to give strength to the weary. He shall renew uh, your strength. They that wait upon him. If you're at the bus station and you're waiting on the bus to come in, you're anticipating that that bus is going to come. Amen. If you go to the airport and you're waiting for the plane to arrive, you're anticipating that the plane is going to come in, amen? And when we wait on the Lord, there needs to be an anticipation in our spirit that says, God, hallelujah, is coming, hallelujah. He's going to renew my strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We need to realize that God is a source of strength for us in the time of need. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. Hallelujah. We may not understand the times that are going on around us, but God does. God knows everything. Hallelujah. And we are, we are the church of the living God. We are a privileged people. Amen. To be living in this day and hour of the coming of the Lord. Praise God. There's going to be great things that God is going to be doing. The other uh, thing that stood out to me in this interpretation was look up because your redemption draweth nigh. And it also said look unto me. And it brought to my memory that old song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Anybody ever heard that? Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And as I thought about that song, and the things of this world will go strangely dim. We need to turn our eyes upon Jesus. This isn't something new. That's the old normal. But we need to be reminded in this day and age that we're living in, to turn our eyes upon the Lord. Amen. And the things of this world will grow strangely. Everybody say strange. Amen. Strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. I was reading in 1 Peter in chapter 1, verse number 1. It's in the greeting. It says, I, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Beth, Bethaniah. I'm not sure I can pronounce those. But anyway, he's writing to the strangers. In other words, he's writing to the elect. He's calling them strangers. I thought that was such a strange word to use, 
stranger. Amen. As he's writing about those that are scattered, the church that had been scattered, he identifies them in the verse, second verse when he says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's writing to the strangers. Amen. He's saying you're strangers to this world. You are strangers to this place. Amen. Because you are not at home yet. When you're a stranger somewhere, amen, you don't feel at home. Anytime I've gone to a foreign country, I've always felt a little bit I don't know, it's just this feeling. You know, you feel a little strange. I'm not, I haven't done it enough where I feel comfortable, but I, I always want to get home. Amen. And through all this that's been going on, I've had that same feeling. I felt a little strange here. Like this world's just not my home. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're getting out of here, church. We're getting out of here. We're strangers to this old world. Amen. But he gives them their identity. He says, we are begotten. He has begotten us unto a lively hope. Or in other words, born again unto a living hope. Amen. The old normal is that we were always intended to be strangers in this world. Amen. Don't get comfortable in this world. We're just a passing through. Even from the very beginning when Jesus was on the earth and he was walking around and doing all of his miracles, on one occasion he performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves, I believe it was, or five loaves and two fish. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure how it was, but he fed 5,000 people plus with a little bit of food. And they were all amazed. As a matter of fact, because of this one miracle, the Bible says that they wanted to get him and to make him king. In John chapter 6, verse 14, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of truth, that prophet that should come into the world. And when Jesus, therefore, perceived that they would come and take him by force and to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. So here they wanted to make him king because of this. And the next day, Jesus had a conversation with them. You find it in John 6, 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the Son of Man gave unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Jesus was telling them, he said, not even because of the miracles, but because you ate and were full. You got filled. You got uh, something supplied to you by me from this worldly aspect. And Jesus goes on and tries to tell them that he it says it's not about just getting filled up in this world. 
It's not about everything that we can gain in this world, folks. Amen? You can gain the whole world and lose your own soul. Praise the Lord. But we need to realize that we have a spiritual food that we can come to. Amen? Jesus told them that he was the bread of life. And he gets into a kind of a weird conversation with them. And rightfully so, when you're thinking in the natural, he says, if you want to be in my kingdom or you want to come after me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, of course, they were all like, ooh, that's weird. You know, that's like being a cannibal or something, you know. And, and of course, I'm putting that in my own words. But um, Jesus was trying to tell them and talk to them about the crucifixion. And about how they were going to have to have fellowship with him. To commune with him through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That this took everybody back and they did not understand. And, but Jesus explains to them in verse 63 when he says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And they are life. He said, I'm not talking to you about the natural. I'm talking to you about the spiritual. Amen. It's just like it was when he was talking to Nicodemus. And he says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus was like, what do you mean be born again? To enter the second time into my mother's womb? He said, no. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is is spirit. Amen. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And it tells us in chapter, in verse 66, he says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That saying was just too hard for them. Amen. I want you to know this is a narrow way. It's not for everybody. The way is made for everyone, but not everybody's going to accept it, amen, because it's a narrow way. And Jesus is saying you got to become a stranger in this world to become the citizen in my world, amen. He even went so far as to tell uh, the governor, he says, you know, my kingdom's not of this world. If it would, I would fight. They all wanted him to fight and to overthrow the Roman government, but Jesus says you got it all wrong, don't get your eyes on this world. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. Hallelujah. Because we have a heavenly uh, city that we're all going to. Amen. He says to his 12, will you also go away? Then Simon answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ the son of the living God. And all this went back to the feeding of 5,000 where he met their physical needs, but he was after a spiritual, amen, relationship. Jesus throughout his ministry tried to warn them, tried to talk to them. In Matthew 16, he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Amen? We lose our life in this world, that's when we're going to find it. 
You want to find your way in this world? Amen. That's when he says you're going to lose life. Amen. And we uh, read in Luke chapter 17, even as he's speaking about the end days, he's saying just as it was in the old days, so is it going to be in these times. He says in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. He says, just like it was in the same day that Lot went up, or in the days of Lot that they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built it. But the same day that Lot went up out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Amen. We need to realize that just like it was back then, it's nothing's changed. In other words, this is the old normal. That the things of this world are not going to get us to heaven. The things that are around us are not worth losing our soul over. Amen. And it doesn't mean that we don't work or eat or marry or give it in marriage. It just simply says they're going about their business, not thinking anything was going on, not developing a relationship with God. Amen. And all of a sudden, they saw destruction. And he said, it's going to be the same way in these, in these days that we're living in. As a matter of fact, he says, it comes as a thief in the night. But he said that we need to be strangers in this world. You are going to be a stranger. Amen? You're going to either be a stranger to the things of God, or you're going to be a stranger to the things of God. Of the world and the choice is ours hallelujah i want to be a stranger to the things of this world amen i want to latch on to god with everything that i have but we're going to have to work for our relationship with the lord the natural the things of the world it just kind of comes natural it's the easy way it's the broad way and many there be that go thereby amen but the the gate is narrow to uh, live and to seek after the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. He's saying when you were without Christ, you were considered by the Jews, the Israel nation, you were considered uncircumcised. Amen. You were considered strangers. He said, and we were. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, he, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Folks, there's power in Calvary. That is the good news. That is the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is power in his blood. Amen. We need to thank God for Calvary and what he did because he reconciled us to himself. 
He made a way for us to become citizens of heaven, citizens of his kingdom, amen, and strangers to this world. For before that, it was the opposite. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Hallelujah. We are no longer strangers to the household of God. We are in the church, amen, when you have that born-again experience, when you are reborn with the living hope. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Hallelujah. We are no longer strangers to God, praise the Lord, but we are strangers in this world. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, talking about the men of faith. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Hallelujah. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had the opportunity to, to return. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Amen. God has prepared a city for us. We are strangers to this world, but we're citizens to the city of God. Amen. He told him in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Hallelujah. He has gone to prepare a place for us, folks. Don't get your eyes on this old world. Amen. Don't get your attention on all the things that are going on. We are seeing the end times unfold right before our very eyes. Amen. And don't let it be a scary thing. Let it be an exciting thing. And lift up your head. Hallelujah. For our redemption draweth nigh. But we need to become strangers to this old world. It needs, it needs to be feel uncomfortable for us to be around this old place. Amen. And we need to have our eyes fixed and lift up. And he admonishes us. In chapter 12 of Hebrews, he said, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. What he started, he's going to finish. 
He's the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. And I don't care where you are in your walk with the Lord. God's got a plan for you. He's the author. He started it. And he's also going to be the finisher. Put your hands in the hands of the Almighty God. Amen. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wary and faint in your minds. So he endured this contradiction. He was came down from heaven. Amen. He robed himself in flesh. And if anybody was a stranger on this old earth, he was. Amen. Praise God because he was spiritual in all that he did. Hallelujah. And God has everything in his control. He's the finisher of what he started. Hallelujah. And it's all coming down to the end. Amen. Sooner than later. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand tonight. Amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Let's just lift our hands tonight and ask God to help us to shun this old world. Take this old world, but give us Jesus. God, we need you. Help us to open up our spiritual eyes to see, O Lord, hallelujah, out of the eyes of faith. And God, we pray for the day when our faith is going to be made real, that it's going to be brought to fruition, O oh God, that you're going to let us see, O oh Lord, the things that you've prepared for us. God, we worship you, we glorify you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, help us not to be conformed to this world, but help us to be transformed, O oh God by the renewing of our mind, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Jesus, that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, O oh God, but they're mighty through you to, to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. Casting down imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you, Almighty God. Jesus, Jesus, we believe in you and trust in you. Let the power, O oh God, of your presence be with each and every one of us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the power of your word. Help us to trust in you. God, we glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for Calvary. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Amen. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Amen, amen.